But welcome, everybody. GreatAMovies.com. The podcast is back on video and audio. My name is Larry Lannon. I do film reviews at LarryAndFishers.com under my LarryAndFishers.com under my Arts and Fishers podcasts. Uh, I haven't had a chance to see a movie lately. I've had a lot of other things going on, and I'm, I can't wait to get back to the theater and see more films. But my compatriots have seen several films. Adam Austin is back, uh, part of GreatAMovies.com. You'll see his work there and at the Film Yap. Welcome back, Adam. Good to see you both. And uh, Alec, uh, yourself. We're going to talk about several films you've reviewed lately, and you will get a, an idea of the state of motion pictures today. So, Alec, welcome back. Morning, gentlemen. Good to see you guys. All right. So we are we're going to start off with a discussion uh, of movie theaters, and I think that's a lot of what I am concerned about. Will people come back to movie theaters once we all become more and more vaccinated and feel more comfortable coming to movie theaters? Some of the restrictions are being loosened at the theaters themselves. Uh, we've just found out that the Regal uh, Cinema chain is beginning to open up some theaters now on the south side of Indianapolis. The one in Carmel on 146th Street is scheduled to open on May the 7th. The one in downtown Indy at Circle Center is going to open on May 14th, as is the Regal Noblesville, which is there in that uh, town and country complex, sort of near the Myers store behind that. So uh, those, those theaters are opening, and that's good news. Regal's been closed for a while. Then we had big news from, and both of these stories came from the Indianapolis Business Journal. The other story that came out a few days ago was at the Hamilton 16, the old Goodrich Theater. Goodrich, of course, filed for bankruptcy, and uh, now that theater complex at Hamilton Town Center has been uh, is going to be operated by a company called Imagine, with an E at the start, Imagine Entertainment. They they say they're going to open that complex by July first. And they're going to call it a luxury theater complex. I've just been to the living room theaters a couple of weeks ago, right before the Academy Awards, and that's an interesting concept where you do sort of sit in luxury, it's luxurious seating, if you will. So, gentlemen, I would like your take with that as a background. Now that people are beginning to feel better about getting out and doing things, will movie theaters be a part of that? Alec, I'll ask you to start the discussion. I mean, I sure hope so. Uh, movie theaters to me are kind of like my church. Um, I love to go to them. I go generally once, twice a week. Um, I, I have noticed uh, there's been instances where I go to the movies and more people are there than, than were earlier during the pandemic. Um, that's not always to uh, my enjoyment to some extent. I kind of like having some room to spread out. When I saw Godzilla versus Kong recently, every single seat that they could sell in the theater was filled, um, which made me a little nervous. I clung that mask a little tighter. So, but, do, you, uh, do you have your vaccination yet, Alec? Or you, I had my first shot of Moderna. My wife and I were supposed to get the Johnson and Johnson, which they pulled like a day before we were due up for our shot. We are getting our second shot uh, Wednesday this week. So, will that make you more comfortable going to a movie theater? Will it have any impact at all? I work with the public. I'm a bartender. I've been with the public this entire time. I go to the movies. I just generally, if I'm working or if I'm at a movie, I wear my mask. I wash my hands. I distance the best I can. I sanitize frequently. Um, that's about all we can do. Okay, Adam, let's move it over to you. Movie theaters are reopening, loosening restrictions. Uh, your view, is the movie theater coming back or will we see a different movie industry? 
So personally, I feel comfortable. I, um, I've gotten one shot and I get my, my second shot very soon. Um, I know they require masks and I, and I would comply with that. Uh, so I think one shot with a mask and not trying to sit so close to other people, if, if possible, uh, I think makes me feel pretty good. Plus the, the numbers in Indiana are improving, which uh, makes you feel better too. Um, but I say there's a few things beyond the safety aspect that are holding back movie theaters. And I'll kind of go through some of them. Um, one is the quality of the movies that are in theaters. And uh, for a while, there wasn't a lot of good options because some of the bigger name movies were being held or postponed because they didn't want to release them during the pandemic. Now we're finally seeing some films that will bring people out. I think uh, a lot of Warner Brothers offerings such as Godzilla versus Kong and um, Mortal Kombat brought some people out and we're encouraging signs of the box office. I think at the end of this month, May, if you're listening to this uh, when we recorded it, um, we'll see Quiet Place Part 2, which is expected to be a pretty big hit and, in fact, uh, has been delayed multiple times. Now, that movie will be theaters only for its first 45 days, and then it'll be available upon uh, Paramount+, Plus, which I know annoyed some of the filmmakers. In fact, some filmmakers, a lot of companies are getting annoyed that they're not people aren't watching their movies in theaters I know Pixar was annoyed that Soul got moved directly to uh, streaming and their next offering, Luca, which comes out this summer, will be streaming only on Disney Plus and you will not be able to watch it in a theater. Um, that made uh, some of the people who worked on the film very disappointed because they wanted people to be able to see their film on a theater. Beyond that, I think when they're putting things on streaming, even if it's a great movie, I watched Godzilla versus Kong and Mortal Kombat at home because it was free to stream if you had an HBO Max subscription for the first 30 days, which I think is an interesting model that they're doing it the same day that it comes out in theaters, while other ones such as Disney Plus and Paramount, they're doing theaters first to get people who are really excited to see the movie out there first and then putting it on their streaming service shortly after i think that's probably a better model because i will probably go see quiet place part two in theaters so i could see it right away but for a lot of the hbo max offerings if you're going to say hey you're going to save yourself 15 20 you can watch it anytime you want you can start at midnight you can pause the movie to use the restroom i'm sorry i might go with that option and i have been going with that option and I think a lot of it, too, we need to start getting better screen. This is me personally. I was a big fan of going to, like, the noon screenings of movies. I know you enjoyed that, too, Larry. Um, but some right now, if you look at the movie theater showings, there aren't a lot of great offerings, and they're mostly 5 or 7 p.m. So the date night things they're going for, they're not doing the 9.30 p.m., which is great after my daughter goes to sleep, or the noon while uh, everybody's at work. I got to pretty much schedule my evening around going to the movie, which I will do for some screenings, but for other things, eh, if it's available on streaming, I may choose that option. Noon, why so late, Adam? I like those like 9 30, 10 a.m. Yeah, you would get up early. And I remember yeah. you were seeing Star Wars at like 7 a.m. because that's what it was available. As a generally retired guy, I don't get up that early. Sorry, Alec. But, uh, you know, uh, Adam gave us a lot to unpack there, Adam, or Alec, I'm, I'm sorry. You know, Alec, Quiet Place Part Two. Uh, my wife loved that film. I liked it not as much as she did. I thought it was an okay film. Uh, 
I just think a film like that needs to be seen in a movie theater. What do you think, Alec? I certainly remember seeing the first one with my wife. It was kind of hilarious. The, uh, the audience was wrapped in attention and were very quiet. I saw no phones, but for some reason she nor I had eaten beforehand and our stomachs started (laughs) growling during the movie. It was like we were having a conversation, our our two tummies. Uh, and we were very embarrassed because other people near us could hear it. And I think they were laughing at us. Well, (laughs) There was there weren't a whole lot of laughs in that film, so you need, that was the only. Comic it was a weird there. experience to be in a movie theater when it like was dead quiet, and I remember so I went and saw it at Flix Brewhouse, which has not reopened yet. You mentioned a lot of theaters that have reopened. Flix they're still waiting on some of the shuttered uh, venue money, which the government approved but hasn't dispersed yet. But um, when I went, I went to Flix at like nine o'clock at night. Flix usually had a policy of you had to be over 21 after a certain hour, regardless of the rating of the movie. And I think this was like a PG-13 movie. Someone was going at 930 at night with their like two-year-old kid uh, at Flix. The kid was already being loud. And I'm like, oh, man, this is this is a very quiet movie. This is not going to be an enjoyable experience. Um, Fortunately, maybe somebody else complained to a manager. It wasn't me. And uh, they uh, they were told, hey, we'll give you a voucher and come back some other time without the kid, which I was secretly happy about. You know, I'm glad you mentioned Flix Brewhouse because I have heard a lot of people uh, talking about that, wondering if it will reopen. So what you're hearing is that Flix will reopen when the time is right, but the time is not right yet. So I there's a couple issues. One, there was federal money available for venues that had closed. And so I think they were hoping to get some of that money. Uh, second, um, not to get, I'm sure they don't want to make this public, but I think there might've been an issue with the landlord is what they were hinting at. And they have different landlords for different locations across the country. And I think some landlords were being, more understanding than others. <laughs> well, I do remember having uh, two people from that Flix Brewhouse chain, and I uh, really loved having them on our old podcast, Emily County Goes to the Movies. So I certainly hope they do reopen. Those are very good people, and I hope they work out whatever different, you know, landlord tenant uh, issues happen all the time in business, as you know. Uh, and I mean, it's tough for a re- for a uh, any kind of restaurant or hotel or anything right now, but it would be especially tough for a movie theater, if not only you have to pay your rent going forward, but pay the rent for those months that you weren't even open. Well, let me ask and you, that is, yeah, a, yeah. you weren't bringing any revenue, but now you got to pay that rent. That's that's a hard pill to swallow. Let me talk uh, to Alec about something that uh, Adam already mentioned. And I, and I think this is interesting as we go forward. You know, Kong versus Kong, the Kong Godzilla film is the kind of film people generally want to see in a movie theater. I didn't see it in a movie theater. Adam didn't. Uh, but it lends itself better to that. It's the big production, lots of, uh, you know, lot, lots there for you to see and the sound and all the special effects. Uh, that's the kind of film that really lends itself to the big screen and all the effects available there. I think the real test may be Quiet Place. Do you think that will be a test for whether p- people in general are going to come back to the movie theater? We haven't mentioned it on the show yet, but Cruella, Disney's uh, Joker-fied uh, rendition of the 101 Dalmatians villain, also comes out that day. And I wouldn't be surprised if that movie makes a fair chunk of change, too. Well, well I'm a little audience. more skeptical. I'm actually reviewing that one. I haven't got it yet, 
once I get a screener, I'll, I'm supposed to be reviewing that for uh, the film Yap in our website, gradeamovies.com. Uh, but Disney is doing the other thing. They're doing it again with Cruella where it's in theaters, but you can pay like $30 and rent it on that day, which I know some parents who did that for um, some of their previous offerings like uh, Mulan and now Raya and the Last Dragon. But uh, we'll see if that eats into it. Um, I don't know. I kind of I think Cruella was moved in the schedule. I feel like they're dropping it in the schedule now because there's less competition and maybe hoping to get some box office. But I think there's a different audience for Cruella and A Quiet Place or maybe some intersection. But I think those are different audiences. I guess time will tell. Well, Um, if if Quiet Place doesn't make the movie theaters come back, then the next one to look at would be I don't know what's in June, but in July there's Black Widow. And if Black Widow does not do well, then you better start just closing movie theaters for yeah, good. I'm well, sorry. Fast and Furious 9 comes out late June. I could see that making a lot of money. Which one is it? Fast and Furious 9. That'll be another one that's a good bet. And that is that one going to be available? Is that, is that Paramount? It's Universal. Universal. Uh, a lot of times what Universal has done of late, they will release the movie in theaters and then say like two to three weeks after it's been out, it'll be available on VOD for like $20. Okay. Before we talk uh, individual films, one more question for each of you. You've already talked about the HBO Max situation where a a film was available 30 days. Beginning of the day, it's in a movie theater. You can get it on HBO Max. And I think it started with Wonder Woman, and we have others that have come since. My understanding is that's a one-year contract. Alec, do you think that's a model that will go forward, or do you think it's over after the year? What's your view at this point? Big executives at Warner Brothers have already said we're doing it just for this year and this year only. I think it's back to business as usual the following year. But things are unpredictable these days. Who knows? Yeah, what's so, gonna- I mean, that's what they're saying. I just wonder what you think. And you're saying there's really no way of telling. What does Adam think about that? So I hear that some of the people who made the movies aren't happy about that either. Because, say, for Quiet Place Part 2, John Krasinski and Emily Blunt, married couple who Krasinski directed it and starred in the first one and She's in the second one. They're uh, producers on it. They get a percentage of the box office. And when Paramount says, hey, we're going to put it. This is Paramount, not um, HBO Max. But they decided, hey, we're going to put it on your streaming service 45 days after it comes out. They were saying, well, so soon, you know, we get a percentage of the box office. That's the contract we negotiated with you guys. Now, HBO, what they did when they because Gal Gadot was and Patty Jenkins were going to get a percentage of the box office for Wonder Woman, they said, "Hey, we're going to release it the same day. We know you're not going to get as much. Here's an extra. I think it was ten million or something. They yeah. gave them money in exchange to let them out of that part of the contract. This is one of those situations where let there be lawyers. <laughs> They'll make sure that somebody gets gets paid somehow. And yet, because these contracts were put together at a time before the pandemic. Okay, let's talk films. Uh, I'm going to kind of break this up a little bit. Uh, I'm going to ask Alec to start. You've got about six films to talk about. Give me three now, and I'll, I'll we'll have three later. Give me uh, three of the films you've seen and what you think of them. Would you like me to start newest to oldest or oldest to newest? I will leave that up to you, sir. All right. I'll start with the newest first. Uh, the last review I wrote was for a movie called Wrath of Man, directed by Guy Ritchie. Uh, speaking of box office receipts, it was the number one movie at the box office this past weekend. Uh, 
made $8 million, which in the old days would be kind of ho-hum, but these days, pretty good. Uh, the movie stars Jason Statham as a uh, cash truck driver and security guard who uh, has to take on a uh, group of thieves. He may also have some personal stake against these thieves. Uh, the movie isn't as funny as much of Richie's output, but I enjoyed it quite a bit. It is very violent, um, but I thought well done, and uh, the folks I went with enjoyed it as well. I, I gave that movie four out of five stars. Um, next movie, yeah, pull this up. Sorry, it's good to write, but also if I'm doing too much of it, I lose track of it. Uh, it's a martial arts movie called The Paper Tigers. It was made by a first-time uh, filmmaker named Tran Kwok Bao. Uh, he's from Seattle. Uh, he raised money to make the movie on Kickstarter and been working on it over the last 10 years. Uh, feels like a throwback to like the 80s buddy action comedy movies and a lot of the martial arts movies folks Adam and my age grew up watching. Uh, very charming, but also very cheesy. Uh, I gave the movie three and a half out of five stars. I do recommend it. There are good fights. Unlike Mortal Kombat, which we saw recently, the fights are very stripped down and simple. But they're also edited brilliantly, staged brilliantly, and uh, they're not sh shooting and chopping it all up. You very much get to see the action uh, uninterrupted. So, like that one. Um, next up is a movie called Above Suspicion. Uh, this movie was originally supposed to come out in 2019. It uh, stars Amelia Clark from Game of Thrones and uh, was directed by Philip Noyce. Uh, fairly well-known journeyman filmmaker from Australia. He made a few of the Jack Ryan movies, uh, Patriot Games and Clear and Present Danger. He's done other movies as well, Salt with Angelina Jolie. Um, the movie was okay. It, uh, it felt sort of pat, uh, it's past its expiration date, I suppose. Um, it's an adaptation of a true story about a woman named Susan Smith who was uh, murdered by an FBI agent she had a romantic relationship with, and she served as an informant for him. Uh, Jack Houston plays that FBI agent. Um, the movie's not bad. It didn't feel authentic in its southern roots. The movie takes place in Kentucky. It, comparing it to something, say, like Justified, the television show with Timothy Oliphant based off Elmore Leonard's book, uh, it didn't have that sense of authenticity. I think maybe hiring a southerner and an American to direct the movie as opposed to an Australian would have paid dividends. I gave the movie two and a half out of five stars. So really it's like one out of three you would strongly recommend. But I got to say one thing. Did you give one that uh, martial arts film a few extra uh, kudos because the director or whoever made the film had a 10-year Kickstarter campaign? You got to give him credit for that. I, I uh, admire his determination, and I think he, he is talented. I'd be curious to see what he makes next. Okay, Adam has two films that he's reviewed recently. Let's uh, let's have it. Uh, Adam, what do you think? All right, both of these are available on VOD. You can pay like six, seven dollars to rent. So because they're the ones that uh, I would say they uh, were, skipped theaters, but they probably wouldn't have made our theaters even if everything was open. They're smaller indie releases. Maybe the Keystone Arts, and even then, I'm I wouldn't be surprised if they weren't there. The first is called Golden Arm, a comedy uh, starring Mary Holland, and she's an actress you probably don't know if you watched Happiest Season, the LGBT 
Christmas comedy on Hulu this year. She wrote that movie and played the eccentric sister who kind of stole the show. She also was the wife of Jonah Ryan on Veep, if you're a fan of that HBO series. Uh, So she's a lesser known actress and uh, she plays a struggling baker who her business isn't doing well. So her friend who has broken her arm decides to recruit her to become an arm wrestler at the world or national championship in Oklahoma city. Uh, She tricks her into competing. And I kind of described the two leads, uh, Mary Holland. And uh, I can't even remember the other actress's name. She's kind of unknown. She was like a a improv alum uh, as the great value generic version of Kristen Wiig and Melissa McCarthy. That's kind of how they are. Uh, But they're actually pretty funny, though, because they they have their own comedic styles. Um, It's a cliche movie. It's breezy. It's 90 minutes. There's nothing that makes you think too hard. Maybe it takes its storyline a little too seriously. But I audibly laughed maybe three or four times in the hour and a half, which for me, that's almost worth it. If you can make me laugh at least a few times in the movie, then I'd say it was maybe worth the price. Uh, probably the funniest scene what starring uh, an actress called Dot Marie Jones. If you ever watched the Fox show Glee, you might remember her as Coach Beast, the uh, very butch uh, gym coach who she was actually nominated for an Emmy three times for playing this role. Uh, Dot Marie Jones is a very large woman, uh, and she in real life was a arm wrestling champion at age 19. So she plays the coach who like trains her. Uh, and I, I got some amusement out of it. It's a dumb movie, but if you like dumb sports comedies, uh, this one might be worth putting on. You know, now, something, but yeah. Anna, one thing that it struck me about when you about this when you talked about it, I at first didn't even believe that women's arm wrestling was a real thing. I thought it was made up. No, it is a real thing. So when you... Uh, oh, yeah. I'm sure about... they could kick my ass. <laughs> Believe me. <laughs> uh, but I, it's when people see this film, it's not a made-up thing. There is such a thing as competitive women's arm wrestling. Well, and apparently it's not all about arm strength. It's about technique. Mm-hmm. Because you can, you know, have your arm in the wrong position. And, and you know, obviously you got to have some strength. But, it, you know, apparently someone with the biggest bicep might not actually be the best arm wrestler, male okay. or female. Well, I always was taught or told it was technique. I've never tried it, so I wouldn't know, know what, I, what I'd be very good well, at. Well, you know, I don't know if it's the greatest arm wrestling movie ever made. <laughs> um, unfortunately, I mean, there are other arm wrestling movies we can reference. Uh was it? Was it? Who was in that one where the guy arm wrestles for the custody of his kid? Over, it's over the top, starring Sylvester Stallone. It was a canon movie from 1987. It's beautiful. <laughs> Chef's kiss. <laughs> that's that's how the movie is. I love it. A lot of Frank Stallone music. It's the best. Mm. Okay, um, and uh, how about uh, number two? So, Golden Arm wasn't the greatest movie, but it is Citizen Kane by comparison to my next film. Um, I reviewed an IFC Films indie film by Gia Coppola, who is the granddaughter of Francis Ford Coppola, a famed uh, winemaker and sometimes director. Um, yeah, he does make a good bottle of wine, Larry. So you've and actually sampled some of this wine, I assume. It's in the grocery stores. You could get some, Larry. Okay, so but you've looked. I have yeah. not, but you, you apparently Francis are Ford Coppola, of- acclaimed director of the Robin Williams film Jack, 
um, his greatest film ever made. <laughs> you know, so that you ought, you ought to see some of Francis Ford Coppola's early films. There were some awful science fiction films he did year, in his early in his career. So you know, no, but hate... he's done. Go ahead. He's the director of my my number one favorite movie, Apocalypse Now, and The Godfather isn't too far behind. That, no, he's so. a great. He turned out yeah, to be a great director, but most directors <laughs> don't star in their first film. Go ahead, Alec. You've got something. Uh, he was saying Apocalypse Now is his favorite film, and the God, first Godfather's mine. So, uh, yeah. Francis have- Ford Coppola, great director, and his whole family is filled with talented filmmakers. Sofia Coppola, uh, his niece, uh, director of Lost in Translation, among many. That one's probably her, the one that's beloved the most, but many others. And you've got uh, Nicolas Cage as a relative, and Jason Schwartzman, and I think Sofia Coppola was once married to. Um, Spike Jones, an Oscar-winning director who won for screenplay. So there's a lot of talent in that family. Roman Coppola uh, yeah, is also, yeah, he's worked with a lot. Wes Anderson a lot. Gia Coppola is 34 years old, and she has one other film under her belt, and that was Palo Alto, a very small movie uh, starring James Franco, who's now been canceled uh, for his actions. You know how bad it is for James Franco when Seth Rogen won't talk to him or work with him. <laughs> oh, you know James uh, Franco's in trouble now. Um, so Gia Coppola has one film under her belt. So this is her sophomore debut called Mainstream, starring Andrew Garfield, one-time Spider-Man, and also, or twice, he was Spider-Man twice. And uh, he also was an Oscar nominated for Hackshaw Ridge. He's a he's a pretty decent actor. You've got Maya Hawke, the daughter of Ethan Hawke and Uma Thurman, who kind of had her breakthrough in the most recent season of Stranger Things. And it has Nat Wolf, a little unknown actor. He was in, uh, I think, some movie based on a John Green book, and he's popped up here and there, and he's all right. So you think, okay, this has got a good cast. It's about uh, a charismatic guy who becomes a YouTube star, and it's almost a cautionary tale about being addicted to internet fame, and it's a satire, and it's... Uh, it's almost like it tries to be a lot. Uh, it's as if Jackson Pollock was throwing ideas and trying to see what sticks. Not all these ideas stick. And the it's a satire about internet fame, but it feels about 10 or 15 years a little too late to kind of uh, tell us that your phones are addicting. I think that message has probably been done many times. Just watch any episode of the TV show Black Mirror and you'd probably get a better commentary on our internet addiction. And then you've got Andrew Garfield, who which I don't know if he's a good actor or not. I think, Alec, are you going to defend him? I thought he was really good in The Social Network. He was good in that. And Silence, uh, Scorsese film, he was all right in that. So he's an okay actor. I don't know. But in this, he's playing a big, broad, over-the-top character, which is probably what is required for this role of this almost false messiah on an internet show. But he ends up being one of the most irritating characters ever created on film. In fact, in the Facebook ad from IFC advertising this movie, there was a little tagline saying, Andrew Garfield is the most annoying character you'll ever see in a movie. Watch mainstream now. Not the best way to entice someone to watch it. And it's accurate. I mean, if that was the goal, it was accurate. But the big problem with this movie is it tries to be deep and it is as shallow as, uh, I don't know, uh, uh, a, a, a haiku by Paris Hilton. I don't know. But, but, uh, but, but to ask a question about what you've said so far, 
if IFC was promoting the fact that this is an irritating character, they obviously the director and the, the screenwriter or writers wanted the character to be that way. But what you're saying is it wasn't developed well and the irritation point got to the point where it wasn't entertaining. It was just irritating. Is that what I'm hearing you say? To mention James Franco again, he, his character was a little irritating in Spring Breakers, but I also kind of loved it. Um, this is not that good. This is loud and, you know, if you're familiar with some of these YouTube stars, I guess it's on point, but you're not enjoying spending time with them. And that would be okay if it had a deeper meaning, if it had something interesting to say. But this message could be boiled down to phone, bad. Like, it's that, like, blunt and just simplified. And I really don't know if there is a deeper meaning. I said in my review on the film, Yap, this was the cinematic equivalent of a guy at a party cornering you, talking your ear off, maybe overly confident, overly inebriated, uh, about man, don't you know we're all slaves to our phones, man? And you're like, yeah, Adam's talking yeah. about me like I'm not even here. And that's <laughs> now, just to interject one thing, just for the sake of our audience, I need to explain uh, Adam's Jackson Pollock reference. If you're not, if you don't understand it, you need to go back and watch the film about. This was called Jacks, I think Pollock. Pollock, yeah. Where Ed, Ed Har Harris, Ed Harris played Jackson Pollock. He, t they tell that story pretty well about how he became a famous artist. It's not what you may think yeah. it would be, but go Jackson ahead. Jackson Pollock who just threw paint <laughs> yeah. at a canvas and see what came out there, and uh, this movie throws ideas and sees what sticks. And um, I can't recommend it. But it's 30% on Rotten Tomatoes, which means my suspicion is most people don't enjoy this movie, but there's going to be a small subset that really, really love it. Uh, aren't, aren't maybe you that's you. Aren't, aren't you down to like friends and relatives at 30%? Or? I don't know. I mean, <laughs> every movie has its champion. That's true. I, yeah. I, some, I, I think there was somebody telling me the other day how they loved the book of Henry and that it was one of their favorite movies and that it was so smart. And you remember my thoughts on the book of yes, Henry. I, I talked about it many I, times. Yes. Uh, but and I said, Oh, that's, that's all right. One other comment on your review. I want to explore. Yeah. I think that when you set this up and talked about some of the people in the film, don't we have kind of a, uh, how should I put this inbreeding in, in Hollywood where if you're in a certain family, then you get your shot where somebody else doesn't. Yeah, I would agree. And she also has Jason Schwartzman, her um, dad's cousin in the film, and he's pretty entertaining in the role. So obviously it's easy for her to cast fame. Her first feature had Emma Roberts and James Franco. So, and she had no experience then. So obviously it's easy for her to break in. Other there people are who into the business, a lot of them through their relatives. Uh, yeah. But I mean, sometimes you get people who are, it's nepotism, but it's also kind of earned. Sophia Coppola is a good director. Mm -hmm. Yeah, sure. Mm -hmm. I don't disagree with that. And, but I think that so, there's sometimes people who make it in show business, somebody like David Letterman, who just came from Indianapolis and, and went to LA, worked on, uh, as a stand-up comic and worked his way through, but he's sadly the exception. Most of the time, if you don't have a family connection or some other connection to show business, it's really hard to make it. So the ones who I mean, do are very talented. Jason Reitman, who is the son of Ivan Reitman, has become a pretty good director. He's been Oscar-nominated for Up in the Air and Juno, and now he's taken over Ghostbusters coming out uh, this summer, right? 
I think uh, so. from his yeah. dad. I think so. I mean, there's there's always examples of of children of famous people who actually are pretty good themselves. Yeah, this may not be. I don't know. I mean, Paula Alto was okay. Maybe she just got a little overconfident with this one. Okay, so we've got uh, really two of them. Neither one that Adam would recommend. One he recommends I less mean, than the other. Golden Arm, I lightly recommend. Okay. I, I enjoyed it, and I somebody else saw my review, and they watched it, and they said they enjoyed it. Okay. So, so Golden you Arm, go. if, you, if you're looking for a film uh, It has to be genre, up your alley. So yeah. You have to enjoy women's arm wrestling to, to enjoy that film. Okay, we got three films left. Alec has seen those. Let's hear about those films. Are you there, Alec? Is Alec muted? Or did he freeze on us? Oh, I'm, uh, I think I'm he back. Okay. I think he had you guys slow. Okay, we had a we had a little freeze up for Alec. I, I couldn't see that. Uh, Adam could see it. So, Alec, if you're there, fire away. I'm here. Can you hear me? We can hear you fine. Go right ahead. Okay. Um, the next movie I reviewed is an adaptation of Tom Clancy's novel Without Remorse, uh, starring Michael B. Jordan. Uh, directed by an Italian filmmaker named Stefano Salima. He uh, directed Sicario, Day of the Soldado, a couple of years back. Uh, this movie is currently streaming on Amazon Prime. Uh, I thought the movie was okay. I gave it three out of five stars. I expected more because I'm a big Michael B. Jordan fan. Um, the movie that they made, I think, is hinting at something that could be more interesting down the road. But uh, it's an entertaining enough action movie. It's a decent waste of an hour and a half or so. Uh, but I can't really give it m- much more of a recommendation than that. Um, next movie, and this is one I liked. I'm hotter on it than a lot of people seem to be. It's called Things Heard and Seen. It's a supernatural uh, horror film slash thriller uh, directed by uh, Sherry Springer Berman and Robert Polcini. They're the filmmakers behind American Splendor. You guys remember that movie uh, where Paul Giamatti played Harvey Picard. Uh, this one stars Amanda Seyfried, uh, fresh off her Oscar nomination, as uh, half of an intellectual couple who moved to a house in upstate New York that uh, has some issues. There, there, there's apparitions there. Um, thought the movie was good. I thought it was an interesting take on marriage coming from a married couple. Um, the actor who plays Seyfried's husband, uh, an Englishman named James Norton, I thought it was quite good in the movie. I think he kind of actually stole the movie. But uh, there's plenty of other good actors. Rhea Seahorn from Better Call Saul is in it. F. Murray Abraham is in it. Uh, I thought it was a pretty slick and intelligent take on a horror tale, which uh, would make nice Friday viewing, perhaps, if you're you know having dinner in, maybe want to get a bottle of wine or a few beers and just enjoy with whomever you're enjoying with. I think it's a pretty good play. So there's uh, one. you have one more, correct? One more, yeah. Um, this is a movie uh, from Ireland called Here Are the Young Men. Uh, a very good young cast in the movie. Dean Charles Chapman, who was in 1917 and Game of Thrones, is in it. A uh, young actor named Finn Cole, who uh, was on Peaky Blinders, is in it. Um, another young man uh, named Ferdia Walsh Pilo. He was in a movie called Sing Street and is on the television show Vikings. Uh, these are your titular young men. Uh, in addition to them, uh, the very talented actress Anya Taylor-Joy is also in the movie. It's kind of a, a movie about these guys uh, 
coming into their own as young men, they, they witness a horrible accident that leaves a little girl dead and how they kind of grapple with their own mortality in wake of this. The uh, young men behave horribly throughout the movie. And I'm not sure if the movie is a condemnation of this behavior or a celebration of it, which left me somewhat um, aloof to the movie itself. I gave it two and a half out of five stars. I think to certain folks it may have rewards, but to me it was only so-so. So what I'm hearing both of you say is that there are some films out there maybe worth seeing, but nothing's bowled you over. Some are worth seeing more than others, but you haven't seen that really great film. And maybe there's a reason for that, that the best films are not coming out right now. So I'm going to give each of you a chance to make a final comment. Uh, Adam, final comment on anything. Um, well, it is interesting to see what kind of uh, restrictions will remain in movie theaters. Um, I just saw, because I was interested in maybe going to a drive-in theater. And I know last year they had a rule during the height. This was during the height of COVID, though, that uh, you had to stay in your car and you, you really couldn't get out. I don't know, if Alec, if that was loosened at some point, but it is now. Um, I haven't been to a drive-in in a while. I went once last summer. And you had to stay in your car the whole time? Um, other than if you wanted concessions or to use the restroom. Yeah. So now you can put a chair outside and you can have a, a lawn chair. Um, but you just have to keep not so close to another car, which I wouldn't, I wouldn't be less than six feet from another car, regardless of COVID. I want to have my own privacy and wear masks when you go to the concessions. Um, I bet you, so Alec, you said you went to the movie theater and there wasn't the space between seats anymore, but there was mask requirements. Um, there, no, they're still, they're still spacing it out. I think they're at 40% capacity. Um, I just know when I saw Godzilla versus Kong, people weren't necessarily sitting in the seats they were assigned to and were closer to me than I would have liked them to. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I, I anticipate that you'll probably see that percentage go up now that more people get vaccinated and you, if you still require masks, you'll get that up. Businesses are going to probably loosen those first because they want to bring in more money. Um, whether it's concert venue or a movie theater, they need to get more people in seats. My prediction is the masks will probably be the last thing they get dropped uh, just because it doesn't hurt their bottom line to require masks unless there are people who say, I would go to the movie theater, but I'm going, I will not if I'm required to wear a mask and I'm vaccinated. So what does it matter? If there's enough people who are, if they're losing customers over requiring masks, you may see that change. But my guess is they wouldn't. Yeah, just I, I think a vaccinated person, and and I'm you know I am one, uh, should wear a mask out of uh, just just uh, just as as a way of of saying hey people around me I'm trying to be good to you because there's still not enough science to know even though I'm vaccinated and would not likely end up in a hospital or die uh, I could possibly spread it to somebody else we don't know the answer to that yet. So I, I mean, yeah, I think well, a lot of these decisions are going to be made by the businesses because the state has loosened things up quite a bit. Uh, we were there's a an event recently I saw where they said masks optional at the door and this was an indoor event. Um, so uh, but, you know, the, things like that happen. And uh, we're planning a trip to Disney World in November. And we've noticed that there's been a few things they've lifted already as the numbers have improved. They have. uh gotten rid of the temperature checks at the front door, which from what I hear isn't the most accurate indicator. If someone has COVID, there are people who are infected, but don't have a temperature. Um, 
and it, it does slow things down on the entry and maybe you're turning away somebody who ha- in the Florida heat is overheated. Uh, they have not changed capacity limits, which I suspect Disney will do because they are a uh, business that wants to make money. But again, enough people want to go to Disney. I, I doubt that masks are going to be not required at some point. I think that uh, uh, unless somehow the science moves to the point that it's it, it really doesn't make sense, my guess is they're going to require that. Although selfishly, I hope they drop the requirement for children under like a certain age because I tell you, as a parent, it is hard to, and we, we work with her on it, when you have a two-and-a-half-year-old to tell her to wear a mask. Uh, but kids, there will be kids. So Yeah, I feel sorry for you with a child that age in a pandemic. That's not easy, I'm sure. Okay, Alec, uh, your shot. Uh, one last comment before we wrap this up. I, I'm going to refute what Larry said a little bit ago. There are two movies I reviewed I would pretty heartily recommend. Okay. Wrath of Man, which is playing in theaters right now. Uh, the Guy Ritchie movie with Jason Statham I thought was quite good. And uh, Things Heard and Seen on Netflix, worth a watch. Um, additionally, I'll be writing three more reviews this week. Uh, I'll be writing uh, a review of the French horror director's uh, Alexandra Aja, new movie Oxygen, which is going to be on Netflix, stars uh, Melanie Laurent from uh, Inglorious Bastards. That'll be coming up this week, as well as... Um, the Woman in the Window, the uh, long-delayed uh, – Who's that? what's the filmmaker's name? Joe Wright. Yes. Yeah, he did. he's done some great films. He did some period pieces, and then he did uh, and, uh, Hana, which I really loved. Yeah, and this one has a really good cast. Amy Adams, yeah. uh, Julianne uh, Moore, Gary Oldman. Yeah, Anthony. but I'm, the long-delayed thing makes me skeptical. Uh, With and, that you cast, know, director, I'm willing to give it a shot, and I can watch it at home. So that's going to yeah. be – both of these movies will be on Netflix – I'm reviewing another one called High Ground. It's an Australian movie with uh, Simon uh, Baker. So I'm looking forward to these, and hopefully some people will come and check them out either on uh, GreatDayMovies.com or at TheFilmYap.com. Well, I'm glad you corrected me, uh, Alec, because, you know, (laughs) as a married man, I'm used to being corrected. But that's okay. I'm. I, <laughs> but so there are two films you would really re- hardly recommend. So I'm glad to hear that. That's good news. It's, it's like a B plus. That's that's, that's pretty good. I, mean, I would say that's that's a, that's a good recommendation. The only thing I will say is that I am looking forward to getting back to the movie theater. I've been watching films at home a lot, especially before my vaccination kicked in. Uh, I've since I have been vaccinated, I've been fairly busy. I'm and again, I'm a mostly retired guy, as you can see. I do a lot of things, even though I'm supposed to be retired. Uh, but I always like uh, Alec. I'm sorry, it was Adam that said this. I like to go to the one o'clock. You know showings one or two o'clock showings at the and there aren't any and sometimes monday and tuesday theaters are closed i'm hoping that opens up as time goes by you know we're getting more theaters open so i'm hoping there'll be more showings and i'm excited about the films coming out this summer i can't wait to see them so as I, as already has been mentioned both of these gentlemen uh, uh, alec Toombs and Adam Austin. You can read their reviews at gradeamovies.com, just all together, gradeamovies.com. You'll also see their reviews on filmyap.com. 
thefilmyap.com. Don't forget the the in there. Thefilmyap.com. You'll see lots of other reviewers. It's, both sites are terrific if you want to get some uh, some ideas of what movies are out there and, and what some critics think about those films. Myself, I'll, hope, I'll hopefully have some more films that I'll be able to review in the near future. But we thank you for watching and listening to our audio and video version of this podcast. So before, before we uh, go, I just want to remind everybody, please be safe and be kind.